Welcome back to this week's episode of PI Perspectives. We hope you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that the food coma is worn off. Matt is back at it this week with Helena Ratchenko, a personal injury trial attorney from New York City's Hack and Rose Law Firm. Last year, Matt and Helena presented a continuing legal education class to the New York State Trial Lawyers Association. They discuss how they put it together and give you some tips on topics to cover. This is a great way to get face-to-face time with lawyers and gives your business incredible credibility. Now let's begin and check out Helena's perspective of working with investigators. Now here's your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everybody to the next episode of PI Perspectives. I am super excited today to introduce my next guest, Miss Helena Radchenko of the law firm Hack and Rose in New York City. I have known Helena for many, many, many years, and uh, I asked her to come in today to chat with us because Helena and I last year put on a program for the New York State Trial Lawyers Association. Uh, We had done a continuing education course, and I wanted to talk today on how an investigator would actually go about setting up one of those programs and what's important to remember when you're making a proposal to actually do it. It's a great tool to grow your business, getting you exposure to personal injury attorneys and coming across as an expert. Um, Helena's firm actually is a personal injury firm in New York City called Hack and Rose. And welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I'm really excited to be here and I'm really excited to share my knowledge with you guys. Okay, great. Awesome. So like I said, I've known Helena for many years and we've done business together. In fact, we were doing business together when she was a sole practitioner. That's how we first met. That's true. That's true. So I started off, I worked for a man named Richard Wright when I was first out of law school. He promised me trial experience and it's all I ever wanted. So I instantly graduated, went to work for this small solo practitioner. He sent me to court the first day out of law school. And I went back to court day in and day out for about two, two and a half years. And then I said, I can do it on my own. And uh, I opened up my own solo office in Brooklyn. Well, I had a partner. It was called Rachenko and Rosenberg. And then I decided that I wanted to be part of a bigger law firm with bigger cases, handling bigger trials and having more support than I did as a solo. And so I came off counsel to Hack and Rose and I've stayed ever since. And I probably will till the end of my days because I love them. It's a yeah. great, great place. It's a great be. firm. Yeah, great firm. I do uh, a lot of business with these guys. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said about a firm that that treats their employees like really well. And one of the things that impressed me was just the way that um, Mike and Greg treat their employees. I thought was really, really awesome. So not only are you an attorney, you're also part of the New York State Trial Lawyers Association, correct? I am. I am an officer. I am the second vice president of the New York State Trial Lawyers Association. From very early on in my law career, even in law school, I decided that lobbying legislature and telling the stories of my clients and uh, for a greater global good Meaning like, you know, we would use these stories to turn around and help politicians frame laws so they can take into account uh, the mishaps or all the problems that I would have had in my prior cases if there was a finagle with the law. And they could change that and they can make it better and they can benefit all of us. So because I've always been of that mindset... um, probably three to four years out of law school, I joined the New York State Trial Association. I was a member for a couple of years, jumped on the board of directors, and then jumped into being an officer. And I think four years later now, yeah, I've yeah. moved up. the second VP, right? Yeah, up the ranks, and now I'm the second VP. Very excited about that. Love the work that I do with NISLA. 
Yeah, it's very rewarding to be able to give back to the state that you you work in. And the New York State Trial Lawyers Association, they are really all about advocacy and and protecting the rights of other attorneys to help their clients. There's so much back-end stuff that goes on that people have no idea. And what I always was so impressed about when you handle the role of being president of that association is you essentially step away from your law practice for a year, right? Yes. So if and when I am called on to become president, I will step away from the practice for a whole year and I will dedicate my life to pretty much representing the victims of New York State, going out there, testifying before Congress, explaining the situation my clients are in. But you're right. It feels so good to give back because it's not all about just being an attorney. It's about making the system better for the people that you represent. Them. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely <laughs> investigators have these types of associations too. Like in New York state, it's the associated licensed detectives of New York state, the same premise, right? So we have lobbyists up in Albany that protect and advocate for uh, investigators. So if you are an investigator, I encourage you to, to seek out your state association and, you know, the national council for investigative and security services uh, works on this concept basically throughout the country. So it's another great organization if you're not a member of it, I suggest you you take a look. Uh, NCISS.com uh, is the uh, website that you would want to take a look and, and check that out. But let me just jump in here for sure. one second. And, and since we're on topic of how you know lawyers and investigators work with one another, I know you're a member of the New York State Trial Lawyer Association. And mm-hmm. whatever state investigator that you're in, you will have the State Trial Lawyer Association in that state. I know there's a California one. There's one in Texas. And if you become a member of that organization as well, it's the great stepping point to liaison with attorneys right. in order to find your way to get a CLE or whatever yeah, it is you want to do. That's how we how we kind of found ourselves doing this program together. That's a really good point. I joined as a partner for justice with NISLA. And basically what that means is I'm, I'm not an attorney, obviously, but I support the cause. And uh, by supporting the cause, it, it gave me access to getting in front of, of these attorneys. So getting invited to the events that they go to. I covered this a lot in my networking episode. So if you haven't uh, listened to it, go back and, and uh, check it out. <laughs> um, yeah. So just talking about that and, and really being creative with how you do your marketing and really finding your target audience by attending these events and essentially having that person, the person contact and, and the testimonials Really, really important. Helped me grow my business. And it helped uh, Helena and I actually put a program together. What we did was uh, we uh, we decided we wanted to speak to attorneys that were just starting off. You know, somebody who was just getting into either their own practice, breaking off from another law firm, or, or they were just getting out of law school. and really didn't know the proper procedures of how to, to litigate, right? Right. So I was uh, the chair of the New Lawyer Association. We decided to call it New because it doesn't matter how old you are. First, for a while, we called it the Young Lawyers Association, but then we none of us are so young anymore. And new attorneys or people that come into the profession really need to figure out how to practice law. So uh, myself and my co-chair decided to put on a program teaching new attorneys the practice of law, like really what happens in New York state courthouses. And when we talked about it, we decided to start at the intake phase and Matt was my my go-to guy at intake, right? Like if I had any difficult case, like I had to go look at a defect, I had to sign up a car accident, anything I had to do, Matt was on my cell phone. You'd give him a call and you'd say, right, Matt, I need help here. And he would help me. Yeah. So basically just to clarify that. So the intake is 
when somebody solicits an attorney. So if they go on a website and they interview the attorney and decide that they'd like the attorney to represent them, what the attorney would do would call the investigator to go out and meet with the people at their homes, have them sign the necessary paperwork, and then follow up and do all the investigative work that's involved with that. So Helena and I had talked about putting together this program for the new lawyers. New lawyers. New lawyers, yeah. <laughs> so not young, just new. Um, and uh, in order to do that, we I needed an attorney to actually sponsor. Uh, so it wasn't something like, hey, Matt's a great guy. He's going to go uh, talk to all these attorneys and we're going to give you, you know, CLE credits for it. No, there needed to be attorneys involved in it. And it needed to be the program needed to be vetted. Right. So NISLA has a... Um it, the deans, the deans of NISLE, which is uh, the CLE portion of NISLA, or the New York City Trial Association. And so you would have to pitch it to the deans. And one of the things I said was that when Matt comes here, it's and, and it really wasn't so much as for a marketing technique. It was more right. for education. No, it was really strictly education. I, I can Correct. tell you I got very little business out of that night, but it was very cool to be a part of it. Right. Like, like it wasn't, and that was like a really big deal for it because the CLE, it's not about business, it's about educating lawyers. And I said, it's, it's imperative to have an investigator work with you because for example, we have, um, the sidewalk law in New York city and whatever state you're in, I'm sure you have a sidewalk law. So if there's a hole in a sidewalk, there's certain things you're going to have to prove in order to win your case. One of those things is the dimensions of that hole. And I am, no expert in you know the law in 50 states but i can tell you if you got a hole in a sidewalk and you're a lawyer you need to tell me how deep that hole is how wide it is how big it is where it is and where it is is important because you could be you know five feet from a light post four feet from the curb two feet from the storefront um all of these things have to be solidified in a diagram or a map or something because you're going to be asked about them. You're going to have to prove them to jurors. You're going to have to do things with these facts. Right. And so you need to put someone out there who knows how to measure a hole. Yeah, somebody somebody who knows who north uh, where north is, where south is, east and west, really important. <laughs> Sounds so simple, but it really truly is not. So I'm going to segue to just a little story of some work I did probably about 12 years ago. So I had a new client that hired me to go fix a notice of claim issue, meaning that they had sent an investigator out there and something just didn't look right to the attorney. So he's like, I'm going to hire you. I want you to come in and go take a look. So I had the paperwork from the other investigator and I went out there and I'm, I'm out of sight and I'm like, something doesn't, doesn't look right. Right. And this was before the time where you had compasses on your actual phone, right? They didn't have that app yet. It didn't exist. <laughs> so I was like, man, I think this guy has his directions wrong. Just looking where the sun was in the sky, I think he's got it backwards. And I literally traveled to a hardware store. I bought a compass. I came back because it was driving me crazy. I was like, I know this is wrong. And sure enough, they the information the investigator gave the attorney was backwards. And that's a big deal because the case could get thrown up. Well, it's a huge deal on these little technicalities. Like you don't know how deep that hole is. Case is gone. You know, you might not know how big the lip goes off the floor, meaning an inch or two inch. That makes everything. If you have a lip in in the state of New York that goes a half an inch, that's going to be a minor defect. An inch, all of a sudden you got it. You got it's a, a big thing. Deal. Yeah. Right. So it's. Measuring a hole makes every difference in your litigation. And yeah. when you're a young attorney like I was going out on their own, not understanding these things and getting into trouble in cases, being like, wow, that hole wasn't measured properly right. on the second case, you won't make that mistake again. So yeah. you go to someone who knows what they're doing or someone who wants to learn what they're doing. Sure. So even if you're not someone who's crazy experienced in the in, in the industry of investigation, 
But let's say you'll work with an older lawyer and you're like, all right, I'll charge you a little less, right. but you're going to come out with me and show me how to measure a whole. That is invaluable business knowledge that you need. So it's it's important to find those kinds of... It is important. And always know how you're going to lose your case is really important, right? You say you get beat on it once, you won't get beat on it again. That's the most important. Yeah. That's how you become better. Yeah. You lose and then you'll never forget. Yeah. And, and knowing how you lose and knowing how to mitigate that problem is, is yeah. good too. So one of the things that I talk about, and, and it'll be coming up on a, a podcast actually uh, in the next few weeks or so, it, it's 10 tips on how to take... Um, Photographs for for accent sites, which is also an article that I wrote is coming out in PI Magazine in the next issue. So one of the things we talk about is how, how to use the proper ruler and taking the same photos with that ruler and without in the event that that photo gets thrown out of evidence because the attorney can't examine the ruler and how do they know that ruler is proper and all that stuff. So just always having backup and making sure that's uh, that's covered. Getting back to the CLE, having a relationship with an attorney that you trust, you have a good good relationship that trusts you and just understands, you know, that you know what you're doing and creating that curriculum to then put forth to the right people to get that approval to, to get it done. So. so that's like super important. For example, we just recently worked on a case that's coming up for trial, me and Matt did together and a witness broke. And this is like Columbo. I, I actually, this is why I love the law. So I've been working on the case for about three and a half years, it's a fall down a stairway. And all of a sudden my client calls me up and says, there's this woman who lives on the floor above me. She came downstairs and she fell on the same staircase I did one and a half years before my fall. Now, if you're a lawyer, you know what that means. That means notice, that means an, an entire slew of things that just developed in your case to make you win that much easier and that much better upon a trial of the action. So I go to, you know, Michael Rose, the partner at Hack and Rose, and I say, Mike, what do we do with this information? I mean, I, I knew what we do, but I obviously would love Mike's input. Mike is brilliant. And Mike says, call Matt and brief Matt and make sure Matt goes out himself. So this is a thing, you know, yeah. all investigators have employees, but sometimes you want the person to go, a.k.a. Matt, because he knows the questions to ask. He knows how to get the information that we're seeking for the trial. He's done this with, with us enough times and with other attorneys enough times where he knows exactly what we need. So all I got to tell Matt is that, you know, this woman came forward with this information. Here's the background of the case. Matt, go to your thing. And I can trust that Matt asks the right questions. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Just having somebody who has that expertise in that area, um, knowing the right questions asked, knowing how to, how to frame the questions to get the answer that you need is really important. And um, creating a comfort level, you would be surprised, you know, just on your body language and um, your tone when you're speaking to somebody, how agreeable they could be to, you know, the end goal that you're trying to get them to agree to sign a piece of paper that gives you the actual notice. Because I've come across situations where somebody has said, I'll say whatever you want, but I'm not putting it down on paper. Yeah, we get that right. every now and then. Right, we, and, we get that. We, we get that quite often. With sometimes. Yeah, and you got to have kids' gloves and really, you know, know how to approach that situation. And that is a skill that's not taught. You know. No, it's not. It's actually really difficult to make that comfort level. So I, I just thought of another one. I had a case. I still do, where a man trips and falls on a New York City sidewalk. And in New York, you need this notice, which we've talked about from the beginning of this. I guess why New York City invest. New York City attorneys need great investigators. And we had a 311 phone call and the email address of the person who put the 311 phone call in complaining of the defect where my client tripped and fell gave Matt the email address. And lo and behold, within like two days, I'm on the phone with a guy and he's 
actually worked for a law firm in New York City. And he said, I've given them 40 complaints. I walk there every single day. This is ridiculous. That is my whole case. And so Matt talked to him and made him feel super comfortable to come in for a deposition, which is the next step of it. Even if they'll give you that statement, they have to feel comfortable enough with their first point of contact to come in and give you the deposition. Yeah, it's always so much harder. It's a challenge. Yeah. 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 And, you know. It, it, really, the the way you approach somebody with that is, you know, you, you kind of say like, hey, it's about doing the right thing. And if you were injured, you would want somebody to do that, too. But I, I remember that particular case. And this guy was so like uh, Mr. Super Citizen. You know, it was like so important to him that, you know, those people that were accountable should be held responsible. And it was more of a you know, social issue for him, you know, that making sure that government does what it's supposed to do. But uh, he was, was also he also had a job and right. he also had had to make money oh, and yeah. he couldn't yep. take the day off. And yep. I remember we had to really work with him to make it accommodating to him. And you made that process super streamlined. Like it yep. was he felt like this VIP coming in as opposed and he 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 definitely wanted to be like the A class citizen, but because he felt in so VIP phenomenal, like you know, right. like he was that guy. Right. He was like, Yeah, I'll come in, I'll get this done, this will be great. Yeah, no, it, it, was, it was good. It worked I, out really I, well. I remember that one. Um, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, you never know what type of case you're going to work on and you never know, know who you're going to be able to track down. Listen, I, I've had plenty of victories, but there are times that you fall short, too. And it, it's a matter of doing due diligence and just, you know, being able to say, like, hey, this is how you do it. I can't guarantee the result, but I can guarantee that I'm going to do it the proper way. And it's so important that you said that. It's funny, before we started this, we talked about this one case that I had um, where unfortunately the investigation didn't work out. So I had a client who was um, hit by a motor vehicle that fled the scene of the accident on this really weird intersection. Like the intersection didn't look right to me. And I gave it to you and you said the same thing. The intersection does not look good to me. This this was like... Five points, you know, think of like gangs of New York, what it looked like downtown. <laughs> and this is what that intersection looked like. It was, it was all over the place. in yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah. And, um, you know, I ended up hiring an engineer who told me how to foil the past accidents, motor vehicle accidents that had happened in that location. And what the standard was for suing the city of New York or the state on uh, improper intersection design. And it didn't pan out in this case. And I had yeah. to go back to my client and tell her such. It, it felt good to know Absolutely. that we exhausted Absolutely. every avenue. Yeah. And if I said to her, take my file to any lawyer in New York City, and not a single one of them will get you any other result because yeah. I did everything I could for you. And, and that's the thing. You know, you have that responsibility to, you know, make that investment in these cases. You know, when, when you take a case in, like you, you have basically a fiduciary responsibility to do the investigative work. And I know I've said that before. And I'll continue to say it, and I, I think it's so important that sometimes you, you really have to just investigate it out and see what happens on this. You know, what, what's funny is that that case is a couple of years old. I think it was about two, yeah, two years old, yeah. right? We didn't have access to Vision Zero data. Now we have access to Vision Zero data. So what Vision Zero data is in New York is uh, that database you wouldn't have to foil. You can actually look directly into it and, and it. get that intersection information. So, you know, technology is always changing. You know, what we could do... Two years ago, um, you know, we can do so much more now. And, you know, what we can do today, we might not be able to do tomorrow when things change. It's- and, and that was so important in the CLE that we were doing in that, A, it was for new lawyers, many of whom were 
in the younger demographic. So I would say, you know, 30 to 40 would be that demographic. Yeah, there were a couple, of, couple of people that were up there too. They were yeah. new, but, not, but may, uh, not as many. But regardless, what I was trying to say about that is that with the newer generation of attorneys, we are into data. We're yeah. into this, like, we, we understand that you can, everyone takes a photo. Oh, my God, accident happened. We yeah. can search Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is. That's There's videos, too. There's videos yeah, all over the place. Video, yeah. video cameras all over the yeah. place. Um, a million ways of recording our lives because we've grown up in it. But you right. take attorneys out of my age range, and I'll be glad to say it, I'm 38. You go into- Get out of here. <laughs> I thought you were 25. I'm out of here. I wouldn't be a lawyer yet. But, but thank you. But, but you take the older attorneys, you take like 50 plus, and- they need the information from their young investigators to tell them how to do it yeah. because they have no clue. Yeah. They have like no idea yeah. what technology can, can become. Like there was a story I read on vice news or something. How the, the husband, you read that reg. <laughs> I love vice news, but you know, like the, the guy, the guy who went to jail for murder because right. his wife's eye watch caught her yeah. heart beat. Yeah. Like after he called her in debt. So, I mean, that's that's the Internet of Things, by the way. Uh, I'm going to put another plug in here. Amber Schroeder, one of my former episodes, talks about this stuff. So go check it out. No, that's phenomenal stuff, because talking about the CLE portion of it and keeping on topic is that the younger attorneys will understand what you're saying and ask you almost like pertinent, cool questions and like lead the lead this discussion. When you're talking to attorneys, sorry, I'm so sorry, like 50 five plus 50 plus you need to like dumb it down yeah. and explain it like yeah. you would to maybe my four-year-old although he may know more than them because technology is a new thing for lawyers so, so here's the challenge as an investigator trying to sell <laughs> this stuff to attorneys those are the guys that make the decision on how the money is being spent so it, it's so funny like when i do my sales pitch and i'll go and i'll talk to some of the the newer attorneys or the less seasoned folks right and they're all jazzed up and they're like, yes, we need this. This is perfect. Just go talk to so-and-so over here. And you go to so-and-so over there and he scratches his head like, I don't know what this uh, intertube thing is, but it sounds like, uh, you know, maybe some research needs to be done. Maybe you should go down there and pull the, pull the files and, and go through all the paperwork and all that. And it's like, yo, they don't even let you do that anymore. Like you <laughs> literally have to do everything online. I couldn't. I couldn't even get an appointment down there to do that. And there is no book. Yeah, there's no book. The book doesn't exist. There's a reason that Big Apple like retired itself. So it's no, no but it's there, true. So. Like I'll never forget as a as a younger attorney, I, I I stayed late one night and all the paralegals had left and there was an, a seasoned attorney in my practice and I love him to death. And I said to him, "You just type up a step." And he's like, "Well, I don't know how to type." Yeah, it's crazy. What? Huh? what do you mean? <laughs> he goes, "I dictate." And I, I oh, wow. <laughs> that blew my mind. But that exists in the lawyer sure, world. Sure, yeah, him and Don Draper. Like it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but they all still write on the yellow notepads and they like dictate to these magical secretaries. I don't even understand. They still have nightmares over those yellow legal beds. <laughs> so, but that's something you have to understand that when you're pitching to an older firm, you yeah. need to understand that they have yeah. no clue. But that the technology is so important. Yeah. Because like I, I don't know. I have to shout this out because this was so big in the lawyer world. We have in New York this notice of claim. So everyone's freaking out about the notice of claim, right? right? Because if you can get notice claim on the city of New York, you win your case. That's just on liability. You just do it. And Matt and this younger, was she an investigator or an attorney? 
uh, investigator. Yeah. yeah. They came up with a way to open source search notice of claim database from 311. And that blew my mind. Like he had yeah. told me that over dinner and yeah. I was like, oh, my world changed. Yeah. But yeah. then explained, like I ran to like certain people in NISLA and I'm like, do you know what would just happen? They're like, what does that mean? Yeah. And I'm like, bah, let me explain it to you. But this is like yeah. the biggest thing in the universe yeah. because to search just to go on a little legal, legal sideways, you have to demand from the city of New York all of their prior notices of claim. The city says, we don't have it. We've lost it. The rats ate it. Well, it's all on the internet and open source database, and you can search it. And the fact that Matt and his, this younger person came up with a way to search it right. was mind-boggling. Yeah. That's so, what it was. So I'm going to jump in on that. So she's basically a, a coder programmer, right? Yeah. Another investigator. I had met her at an event for the certified fraud examiner. So she had got, given a presentation and, and we were chatting and I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do together, but we're going to do something together. Right. And I met with her and I met with her boss and, and we kind of hit it off. And so the open data program is free data sets, right? You're, what that means is the city will give you the information if you ask for it. However, they're sneaky. So they're going to give you PDFs. They're going to give you 20 million files of PDFs and say, here, we've given you the information you asked for. Good luck, right? So we were able to write a serpentine program that actually picks out the necessary information by not only by address, but also by geolocation. Because sometimes the way information is put into the system is incorrect. The person calling in is maybe giving the wrong direction or, or whatever. And the information, you're only going to get returned what the researcher is looking for. So part of the problem with the city when you do your FOIL is they will only give you what you ask for. They're not going to do, deal, do the due diligence. They're not your friend. Nope. And they've got, honestly, thousands and thousands of requests and the piles up. I just got a, a response to a FOIL I filed back in January and it said, do you still need this? We're a little behind. <laughs> we get those all. Right? It'll take maybe six months to 12 months to get you your information. Yeah. So this is now a month 10 and they're asking me if I still need it. And I'm like, yeah, I still need it. I needed it like 10 months ago. Right. So what we do is we were able to find the unique ID, the, the actual specific complaint that was filed when they acknowledged they received it. And more importantly, when they went out and what they found when they went out, because that gets you over the notice issue of being able to actually use that information, right? It's not just making that call to 311. It's actually them acknowledging they received it and them going out and saying, yeah, we there's a problem over here. We need to refer to this agency or do whatever there. So that's that's the big game changer. And anytime you, you, you do this type of research, it takes time, you know, and time equals money. So oh, it takes it, crazy it, it's, time. it's an expensive search. And, and that's it takes the, time to figure out the records. Yeah. It's not even about the time waiting for these records. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. I'm talking about like, once you get them and you're talking like six inches of records, yeah. 12 inches yeah. of records, yeah. like paper by paper, you got yeah. to go through it and understand what you're looking at too, yeah. because some of them are permits. Some of them are yeah. gang, what are they called? Roving gang sheets. That's, that's, I don't know. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> that, that, that took me a 45 minute deposition as a new lawyer to figure out what a roving gang sheet was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds very dangerous. Just being able to to understand that and, and know what to look for and pull it apart. And, you know, imagine getting a response from the city saying, yeah, we found no records and then saying, well, no, wait a second. I show unique ID number, blah, 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 that on this particular date, uh, can you please give me the right information now? So I think what happens a lot of times is it's either not specific enough when it's filed or somebody just wants to clear something off their desk and just put from column A to column B and just 
you know, stamp it off and said, yeah, I took a look at it. There was nothing here. There was no way for you to do quality control on that. You know, you're basically taking it at heart that whoever the city hires to do this research is actually doing their job. You don't know that. And if you're a New York City lawyer and you're listening to this, if you don't foil the request on your own and you actually depend on the New York City records, I think you're committing malpractice. Like I really do at this point. Um, One of the best things I got from the New York State Trial Law Association, CLE, on municipality work is that you must foil the request. Like what you find in there and what the city provides you are not the same. And you have to make sure you're doing your due diligence to make sure that you're getting all of the records you're entitled to. Yeah, and we're, we're going to jump out of New York here. I think we're spending a little too Sorry. much time in New York. I'm a New York <laughs> it's boy, okay. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever state you're in, whatever city you're in, it probably has some sort of similar setup. You know, you want to make sure that you understand the process on how to get those records and, uh, you know, how to take it one step further and really do your, your due diligence. You know, that makes you valuable to your attorney, right? That's exactly right. And and the more you know and the more you can educate your attorney as an expert, that's that's what really drives you as a business person. I have experts in other fields, engineers or whoever, and if I have a defect or a product that's gone hay- haywire, I need that person to come in and explain to me why and how. Right. And those are the people I go back to use over and over again because they educate me and they make me a better lawyer in the fields that I know nothing about. Right. If you're an investigator and, and you want to get into this field, working with personal injury attorneys, you know, my suggestion to you would be um, obviously do business with them first. Second of all, go, go, go to their events, you know, support their events, whatever, um, whatever FaceTime you can get. You know, if there's somebody running for political office and an attorney asks you to donate to that particular person, even though you may not really agree with what that person does, you know, do some investigation and see you know, what, what they're standing behind. But consider consider going to that event and supporting, you know, it, it's, it goes a really long way. I have some clients of mine that do a lot of uh, nonprofit stuff. So they do fundraising for nonprofits and there are certain um, nonprofit things that are, that are very passionate to them, you know, and being able just to support it goes a long way, you know, just showing up, being present, being a part of the uh, state associations. There there are some bar associations that actually let you join, uh, not as an attorney, actually here in New York. So Putnam County, which is a little bit north of Westchester, I'm actually a member of that bar association. I'm not, not an attorney, but I'm actually a member of the bar association. It's funny. So you get all of the, you get when CLEs comes out, you yep. get when, you know, they're Christmas annual dinner dances. I, I, know, I know when they're going to be, where they're going to be, right? <laughs> yeah, and the, I know when the judges are running for office. You know, but it's it's good yeah. to know. It's definitely good to make your presence there. You want to be friends. The, one of the best things you can do as business is work with your friends. Sure. So, like Matt's a friend, and he has been for years and years. We share a lot of common interests, other than you know personal injury and investigation. Yeah, we're foodies. We like sushi. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice, you know, it's nice to be like, hey, you want to do this investigation for me? And then we'll share the uh, results over dinner in the city somewhere nice. But that's that's the whole yeah. point of it. You do want to work with your friends. You want to get to know people. And it makes it so much more comfortable and so much more better. Yeah. And I had known you, I mean, I've known you for years, but even before I started working with the firm that you're at, I mean, that, that didn't happen overnight. You know, no, that, that was, took that took a very long time. Yeah, and, and it wasn't a matter of like I was trying to get somebody thrown out or anything like that. It's just, you know, every investigator has their their specialty, something they're good at. And it's not a knock on the guy that was doing the work before, but I just have different relationships. And I was able to service your account better. No, that, yeah. that, that's a true statement. I mean, like when 
you're merging, for example, I went from being a solo practitioner with all my own accounts into a bigger firm that had been around for many more years than I had. They had built relationships, solid relationships. And, you know, the people that were good to me and you were good to me, um, I try to bring them in in every niche that I could. And again, not to knock anybody that was there before you really because I felt comfortable with you. Yeah. Like I was, I, I would have a more comfortable talk with you than anybody else. Like I could right. talk, I get, get you on your cell phone. I could text you. I could, you know, see you for lunch or dinner and I could like, can I say shoot shit? Is that allowed? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I could shoot shit with yeah. you. And that was, that was the beauty of it. So then on my own cases, I'm like, Hey, can I use Matt? Yeah. That'd be really great. And then, so it slowly, but surely slowly, but surely. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. You, you've said this a few times about answering the phone. And um, that's one of the things that really makes or breaks for an, a, an investigator in this industry too. Like making yourself available. I've taken over so many accounts from other investigators simply for the one reason that I answer my phone 24-7, 365. Uh, when it comes to personal injury cases, you got to work on this stuff like yesterday. And even on the like the new intakes, like you need to be at that person's house yesterday. yesterday. So if you're not there, someone else is going to swoop in and grab that case. With like a crew of every expert under your belt. Like when a big yeah. case calls in and I've, it's funny, that's, that's the one comment I've gotten from so many cases that I've handled for Hack and Rose. You know, I wouldn't have given Mike this case, but, you know, I called on a Saturday at 4.30 p.m. He called me back in 15 minutes. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. And that's the culture. So that culture yep. started starts in the law firm, but it also extends to the investigator. And, and, and we're a representation of the attorney and the type of work. And, and when I do this, sign-ups, I meet with people, I say, you know that quick service you just got? They're like, yeah, it was awesome. You were here. It doesn't end today. No, that's the way these guys work, you know? Right. So I just got to make sure that when I'm saying that for that's the firm, real. I'm working more than it's really the case. No, but that's, so. that's the way it's, um, we live in, a, in an age today where your cell phone is an extension of you as a human. Yeah. It didn't happen in the nineties and the eighties, but it happens today. No one gets a voicemail. Yeah. No one. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know how to check my voicemail. Right. Because if I, I get, forget my password, because if I get your voicemail, I'll text you. Like, right. I'm like, hey, Matt, just yeah. got your voicemail. Really super need you. Bam, phone call back. Yeah. Like, that's what your clients expect. That's what today's generation is. Yeah. And it just has to be that way, or else you're not in competition with the cutting edge. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Satellite Investigations in New York City. Satellite Investigations is New York's leading investigation firm since 2005. Check out the newsletter archives for previous articles and publications. Matt is also available to be booked as a speaker for your association or conference events. You can visit their site at satellitepi.com. That's satellitepi.com for more details. We're getting close to wrapping up here. So I just, um, one of the, one more story here, not necessarily with Helena and I together, but more along the lines of your firm. So I've gotten a call from Mike Rose, your boss, and it was a huge, huge case. Uh, major, major accident downtown uh, where a person had been killed. Another person had been injured by a piece of a um, fire escape that was falling, falling down. And, um, you know, Mike called me up. It was uh, 730, 8 o'clock on like a Tuesday night. And he's like, you know, it's a major accident. I need all the information you can get for me uh, because I'm going to pitch the family tomorrow to hopefully have them sign a retainer with me. I was like, okay, I guess I'm working late tonight. <laughs> you know, using some of the new technology that I have access to, uh, the geofencing and, and geolocation 
we were able to uh, gather a significant amount of information for Mike. And in fact, he had his appointment the next morning at 11 o'clock and he's meeting with the family and I'm texting him like, hey, I just found seven eyewitnesses, like direct eyewitnesses, you know, which I had found through uh, I set up a geofence, started out with 10,000 posts. I kicked it down to 300 that were specifically about this accident to seven uh, direct eyewitnesses that we were um, able to find. So I made like a million bucks. Um, and I got to say, I was very impressed that the family did not sign the retainer right away. Right. They actually they had an appointment. They had appointments set up with three other uh, law firms. They wanted to meet with everybody, but they came back and they signed with you guys, I think. And, and Mike says the same thing because he showed up prepared, right? So you, you've got three or four law firms. They all got major verdicts, right? Everybody that they called, they were these were the, the big bangers in New York, right? The, the big trial lawyers um, that were there. But because their investigator did the initial work, uh, Mike was able to go there and say, look, I've got 13, 14, 15 pages worth of, of work that we've done on this already, created that comfort level. And uh, it it helped him close the deal. No, I agree with that 100%. I think that the competition in any state that you are in, I don't care if it's New York or California or Texas or Oklahoma, it it just, there's a lot of competition for the cases that we're looking after. And the more prepared you are, the more of an edge you will get. And no one can prepare you like your investigator, especially in the beginning like that. You got to look at the news articles, the, um, social media stuff that came up, hospital records. You know, you, yeah. you actually work with former NYPD associates that yeah. can once in a while get. Well, yeah, not on that. To data. Yeah, and you, you know, it, it's where you source your resources. So, like a good investigator, it's it's their relationships, right? Right. So, you know, I have some people that are retired law enforcement that aren't staff, but I, I have plenty of relationships with um, other law enforcement that that aren't on staff. They're kind of like per diem when I need something. Um, they know how to get that information. So but that's such a big deal when it's you're huge. looking for information because um, yeah. like you just gave that example. But remember, I had a case where one of my clients got hit by a school bus and the school bus fled the scene of the accident. And right. there was a big, giant criminal lawsuit as a result, like the state press charges. Right. And I needed your people to walk into the NYPD and talk to them into the prosecutor's office. And they had much more pull than I ever would have. Yeah. So it's imperative to have those connections it's crazy what happens when you show up to one of those places with a, a badge right Just, oh, know, of course you know the, course. and it, you know people say like ah it doesn't exist it exists it you exists know, it, it really exists and for me like i was not law enforcement I mean, that wasn't the route that that i went down me too um <laughs> but, but i know people <laughs> And it's always good to to know people, right? That's important. So we're going to wrap up here. So just, um, thank you, know, you so much uh, yeah, for having thank you. me. Thank oh you. my God. Thank yeah. you. I'm so excited to be doing this. Yeah. This is so much fun. Yeah, this is great. We had talked about doing this for a while and, uh, you know, you're the first attorney that I've actually had on here. So <sighs> yay. Yay. To wrap up closing here, develop the relationships with your clients, you know, and, and take it one step further. You know, if you can get out there and do these type of programs, like doing a continuing education, it's good for everybody, right? So it's good for the people that you're talking to. It's good for you, for your business, you know, to say like, Hey, um, you know, there's a little prestige behind it. I'm, I'm getting involved with this and doing this, you know, and just, uh, you know, getting involved with your state associations, um, you know, organizations like the trial lawyers association or, um, Al Denise in New York, you know, really important. You know, that's how you set yourself above from the other competition. 
it sets you above the other people because when you listen to your clients, such as lawyers, and you listen to our CLEs and the things that we talk about and questions that come up, it makes you fine tune your product and hone it better right. for, for a sale, right? Yeah. Right. Because you know what we're looking for. Yeah, I always get in trouble when when I sponsor the COEs because I sneak into the room. I always ask them, I'm like, I never go to a, I never sponsor a CLE that I don't want to sit in on, you know, because like, like to me, like the construction ones are great. You know, yeah, oh, they're great. labor law has changed. Do you mind if I sit in there? Just, you know, I want to see what's going on because it does make the investigator better at what they do, understanding how the, the rules are changing, and the laws are changing. Exactly. So um, they're very nice to me down there. They let me do that every now and then. Don't tell anyone. Um, okay thank you so much for your time that's a wrap here guys thanks for tuning in we'll talk to you real soon thanks bye thanks for hanging with us helena it's great to see lawyers and investigators working together to create continuing education consider reaching out to a client you trust and explore the idea of building a class program for lawyers or private investigators next week matt checks in with danny guire from prestige security and consulting in long island new york Danny, a retired New York City police officer, has extensive executive protection experience. Danny also works in the entertainment world and will discuss some of those challenges along with running security for a television studio and on movie sets. Now, please be sure to rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts, leave a comment or review, and share this episode with a friend. On behalf of Matt Spare, thanks for downloading and subscribing to PI Perspectives.